It's time for episode number five with online health and fitness influencer, Diana Hecox. Hey mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host, Mother Hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive, imperfect action, unapologetically chase your dreams, and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being mother hustler is not easy, but sisters, we are making it happen even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. Welcome back. Kareen Mills here, Mother Hustler Podcast. I have my very special guest, Diona Hickox. Did I say that right? Diana. Diana. I knew I butchered it. <laughs> so, Diana Hickox is an online health and fitness influencer who, since 2014, has helped hundreds of women reach their health and fitness goals with workout and eating plans that cater to the busy mom. Diona started her journey unhappy, unhealthy, and unfulfilled. She wanted something different and knew it had to start with her. She started working on her own health and fitness goals, began sharing it authentically, (laughs) <laughs> my third world tongue doesn't allow me to say it right i love it authentic authentically authentically thank you love <laughs> online and invited other women to join her through online accountability group by the way you can do a podcast even though you have bad english <laughs> I love it. that's when her passion for supporting other women grew her goal is to help women find their confidence and um, by helping them learn to give themselves grace. She now mentors and supports other women who want to start and grow their successful part-time online coaching business with a failing beautifully forward philosophy. That makes me smile. Diona also works full-time in corporate America and is a mom of two busy teenagers. She loves to dance. Should we have her dance? (laughs) travel and surround herself with inspiring and uplifting women she can learn and grow from welcome diona thank you so much for having me uh i saw your vacation back from yes right it was was amazing it was you look awesome thank you and that's your business you are your business right yes that's awesome well we want to share your journey to to the people of the world, to the moms that are watching and 
and watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast. So how did you get here? Who's Diona? What can you share to our audience and our listeners? Well, just tell your journey. I mean, just <laughs> take it over. Well, um, Diana, I'm 42 years old. Like you said, a mother of two amazing teenagers. I actually have my daughter is graduating next month, which, oh, my heart, I tell you. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I am an only child, um, was raised by a single mother, and um, really had no direction in my life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I thought that you just kind of grew, you know, woke up each day to work a nine to five job, to go to bed, to get up and do the same thing for, you know, 60 years. Um, about four years ago, almost four years ago, um, my husband and I decided to do this at home workout, right? And he was a gym rat through and through. Whereas me, I was just like not about working out or eating healthy um, or anything like that. But um, we decided to do this workout at home. Mostly he was thinking it was gonna nudge me in the right direction into health and fitness because he was thinking, you know, when we retire and we get older, I want us to be active adults, you know, older adults. And the path that I was heading down wasn't really going to be that. I was still smoking, I was drinking too much. Um, and so he was doing this to support me. Um, he actually found by doing these at-home workouts and supporting me that he actually got really fantastic results from it. And based upon that, he was just sharing um, these programs with people and naturally. And somebody approached him one day and was like, why don't you, why don't you coach and kind of run online accountability groups utilizing these, these programs that you have? And um, he, you know, kind of him and hot a little bit. And then one day he came home and he's like, Hey honey, I think, I think I want to do this online coaching thing. And I'm like, good for you, babe, you go. <laughs> and he's like, and you're going to do it with me. And oh. I was like, no, not about that. No. Wow. Um, Cause I was still, you know, I had committed to the workouts with him. I was eating. Okay. I was still smoking and I was still drinking. Um, but like the good wife, I decided to, okay, I'm going to support you, honey. I'm going to support you. And uh, we decided to run our first online accountability group that we run through Facebook. And all I did was just kind of put it out there in Facebook land and said, hey, I'm doing this program. Does anybody want to do it with me? Because I was truly at the beginning of my journey. I didn't have, you know, this amazing transformation that people think that you need to have to be um, a coach. Had a few girls commit to joining me and together we went on this journey. And something changed in me. It was, I had accountability for the first time because I wasn't, I didn't have the confidence to know that I was worth it, but mm -hmm. I'm a people pleaser by nature. And so these ladies were worth it. And it wasn't just about me anymore. I had to show up for them. You know, if I was asking them to eat healthy, if I was asking them to commit to working out, um, I had to do it, you know, and I had to lead from the front lines. And so from that, I got amazing accountability. And that's actually where my passion for helping people began. Because again, I'm a people pleaser and I love to help people, but I didn't really think that that was my, um, my gift, if you will. Like people always say, oh, I'm an artist, or I have, everybody has these gifts. And I was like, I, what's my gift? And then I realized it was in front of me the whole time. My gift is to help and to serve. And, and it's just grown amazing from there. Wow. 
So when I was reading your, and I reviewed all of your social media and I stalk you on social media, <laughs> even though I already stalked you. <laughs> um, but I did not know that when you started your journey, you were unhappy, unhealthy, and unfulfilled. So I think a lot of moms out there are seeing a lot of moms like you and me that are just going for it. And we look like we're not afraid. We look like we don't fear anything because we're so great at it. But I think people forget we started somewhere. Absolutely. And for a lot of moms that think because they've seen us maybe a transformation of over four years, because mm -hmm. I've been with my company for four years as well, wow. surprisingly enough. Yeah. And the transformation, like I always, you know, I heard Sandra Yancey with eWomen Network when I went to their summit say that my husband has slept with 20 versions of me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> right? That because we evolve and we grow and we become better people. Um, what can you advise to moms out there that are in that crossroad in their life that they're scared to do it? They look at, you know, people that inspired them like you and me that are doing it, but they say and compare themselves to us and say, I can't do what she does, but they forget we had to start somewhere. When I'm reading your bio, it says, I started my journey unhappy and healthy and unfulfilled. That's actually where we all start. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think if you, if you look at somebody that's been doing something for a while, you forget that we all had a chapter one. And so if, you know, a mom's going to compare their chapter one to somebody else's chapter 10, it can seem daunting. And I love to share, like, people are like, wow, you do, you know, social media, you do video, you seem so natural. From day one of coaching, we decided to do video because my husband loves the camera, me not so much, <laughs> but we committed to it and it scared me. Like when I first started, I had butterflies in my stomach and I had to actually write everything out, put it next to um, the, the video recorder and read it verbatim. And, and it wasn't that I wanted to talk on, you know, on video or, you know, do podcasts because it scares me, but you do it anyway. And by doing what you're scared of, it slowly starts taking that fear away. And not only does it start giving, stop giving fear that power, it also starts slowly growing your own confidence. And you're like, wow. Because I think so often the biggest thing about fear is that we can build it up so big in our head and then we do it and we're like, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. Okay, if that wasn't that bad, what else can I do that might not be that bad? And by pushing yourself a little bit, you get to experience these amazing opportunities and realize your true potential. Mm -hmm. It actually starts going this way. So this is your fear and this is your, you can call it self-esteem, confidence, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then when you do it and take a step, that little step that you took shaves off your fear and then it just, yeah. it, it transfers to your confidence and then shaves it off again. And every step of the way you start reversing the process. Absolutely. And it's, it's, that's exactly what the transformation is. It transforms your fear transforms into more confidence mm -hmm. and it builds your courage. Absolutely. Right. But I think that when you take a step, you also learn how it's very empowering to tell 
um, your fear to to set to sit the f down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> sit the f down. I know you're there. Right. But I'm bigger than you. Absolutely. Right? Yes. So that's awesome. And when you said you're scared of the camera, um, your husband loves the camera. <laughs> but this is not about Justin. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. <Started. laughs> um, and when you said when you started and, and just supported your husband, you literally just said on Facebook, hey, I'm doing this program. Does anybody want to join me? Like yeah. that simple. Yeah. And imagine we're so fearless of doing that such a simple thing that's now propagated your business into something so much bigger than you thought. Exactly. It would have been. I never thought it would grow to what it is now. And it's just been amazing. You know, the, the relationships I've built, being able to meet people like yourself and, and really surrounding yourself with, with just amazing, inspiring people has been probably the greatest blessing, I think, of, of everything that coaching has offered. Yeah. And by the way, when she say meet people like yourself, this is her first time meeting face-to-face -face person, yeah. <laughs> in person. But, you know, social media really, I think that it's such a great opportunity to connect with people you wouldn't otherwise connect. Because Yona and I wouldn't have connected yeah. unless it was because of Facebook. I don't know what connected us, but somehow, someone, some way, we got connected and because um, we're we don't run in the same circle right 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 so anybody out there can start a business mm -hmm. with social media and again we weren't always good on social media right oh, no i think we're ever evolving right? yeah just like social media is ever evolving and always changing we have to kind of evolve and be okay with like i always say failing beautifully forward because Failing isn't a bad thing, and I think people need to associate fa failure and failing with it being positive because you can't grow if you're not failing, if you're not learning. Um, what was it just in uh, Brian's office? I saw um, you don't something about you don't have to be an expert because, um, oh gosh, I can't even think of the saying, um, but amateurs built an arc and professionals built the Titanic. And I love that because it's like, you, you don't have to wait until everything's perfect. You just, you just act, you just take action and you're like, okay, I'm going to figure it out. Like, I love failing forward. It's, you know, you're like, I'm going to try this. Mm, that didn't work. Okay. Let's try this. Okay. Well, that kind of worked. Okay. Well, let's try this. And it's, it's really empowering when you use it as a tool for learning and not a tool for if you're a good person or not. And I think that so many people don't even ever take action because they're afraid of failing, which at the end of the day, you already have guaranteed failure by not even beginning. Yeah. yeah. Well, failure for a lot of people is so negative mm -hmm. because it's what society do to you when yeah. you fail and the expectation of society, which is starting to, a lot of us are no longer putting up with it. Mm -hmm. We don't care what society thinks. Right. We're doing it. And that's so freeing. It's you empowering. You, yeah. What makes you happy? It's it's just amazing. And with social media too, I know social media can get a bad rap, but I think like I have um, a fellow coach friend that she's like, social media, like my social media page is my house, and I get to invite people into my house. And if people act inappropriate in my house, they're not allowed in my house anymore. And so some people think that social media can be negative, but I see it as a positive. I've met amazing people. I only see positivity on my page. 
because it's my house and I surround myself with people that I want to have at my house. You know, and so I think that social media, yeah, anything that you want to do, any business that you want to create, anything that you're passionate about, social media has the tools and the avenue to, to allow you to fulfill your passion, which yeah. is amazing. It's awesome. What can you talk about um, education? Because I run into some women and I have a college degree, which is so useless, by the way. <laughs> it's a Bachelor of Science in Accounting, and I hate accounting. <laughs> so, I don't like numbers. <laughs> I like numbers, but accounting, like yeah, pencil pushing, but now you're typing in the new digital age. But what can you tell about uh, or talk about education? Because there's a new stigma about education in terms of it's a waste of time when you're 18 you don't even know what you're going to do in life i mean as you already you and i know we didn't really know you know hindsight's 2020 we didn't really know what we were doing right and and going into college what exactly but you have to pick yeah right yeah and you also mentioned on your story or on your post earlier that I've interviewed PhDs and all these other women, which are so hum like humblest women that I've met that's now, you know, they go into PhD, but they are, they're entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know, so I'm not saying it's useless, but I'm just saying like, does anybody that's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur that are again in that crossroad, because I hear sometimes moms say, I need to go back to school because they don't value themselves. Up. Like mm -hmm. it goes back to self-valuation. Right. So what can you, what can you talk about that or tell us about your opinion? It's just right. an opinion. There's yeah. no right or wrong. Yeah. I mean, I guess my opinion on education is it's, it is hard because, you know, I do have two teenagers and you know, high school is trying to prep them and prime them to figure out what they want to do when they graduate. And I can remember when I graduated, I had no idea. You know, I, in my 20s, in my 30s, I had no idea. It wasn't until, you know, 38 years old that, oh, hey, let's do something online in health and fitness that I never would have expected myself to be in because I spent most of my life not being an athlete, not being healthy. So I think that if, if you have a passion and it requires a degree, like my son thinks that he wants to be um, an athletic trainer. Okay, well, he needs a degree for that, right? But to always push, I think, somebody into going to school when they, they don't really have any idea, um, I think that the best teaching tool is life, you know? Um, the experiences that, that you get to feel and impact um, versus taking a test, something that you have to you have to remember for a short, short time just to take a test to get a degree that you may or may not use. Like you said, um, I don't have um, a college degree. I took a quarter in Clark um, at Clark College and, you know, um, I'm an administrative assistant during the day. Um, I don't I don't need a college degree for what I'm doing. And especially online health and fitness coaching, I don't need a degree because, again, it's all, you know, it's all me. I'm, I'm my brand. I'm my business. Mm -hmm. And everything that I'm learning, I'm learning kind of on the fly, which is kind of scary and exciting all at the same time, because life gives you the best lessons, I think. Yeah. They said education doesn't have to come from school. 
Absolutely. It comes, a lot of the learnings and the knowledge that I have comes outside of school or came from outside of school. And unfortunately, when I came to America, had a lot of, you know, life happened to me because I, it was a shock. I didn't know the systems in America. Um, and when you don't know about the systems, it can really cripple you and hold you back. So you sound very educated to me, right? Because education doesn't come from a college degree. It doesn't come from a paper. Mm -hmm. They call it a receipt <laughs> of your tuition. It's the receipt of a four-year degree. It's a diploma. Mm -hmm. So how do you think your business because I wrote something about your son not wanting to be a trainer, a fitness trainer. Uh, An athletic trainer. Athletic trainer. Yes. Um, how do you think what yours and your husband, what you and your husband are doing is impacting your children? You know, like I'm going to be, I'll be brutally honest. Um, I think in one respect, so my kids were, and I can't do the math because I'm not good at it. I'm not, <laughs> I don't have an accounting degree. Um, so four years ago, my kids are now 15, almost 18. So that was wow. like, uh, 14 and I don't know, 10 maybe. Um, anyways, it was before, before then they ate how I ate and I ate like I was raised. So there was a lot of package food and because my mom did the best she could, but she, she worked full time. I was a latchkey kid. I came home. I made myself, you know, hamburger helper and Salisbury steak and, you know, all these, these really quick fixes because, you know, that's, it was cheap and easy. Right. Um, and so having kids, that's, that was my knowledge base. Mm. So that's what I did. We had lots of hamburger helper and, and top ramen because top ramen is delicious and amazing, <laughs> you know, love it. But you know, but I didn't have, those tools. And it wasn't until we finally made the decision to, you know, make a healthy change that my kids were wrangled in to my lifestyle because I'm not going to, I started realizing the value and the importance of, of teaching them these healthy tools. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, together we learned how to eat. It wasn't always pretty, you know, <laughs> we both would say, Oh, this doesn't, what is this? And so we learned together. Um, my son's always been an athlete and you know so he kind of thrives on that and it's really good and but on the flip side i'll be honest um and my daughter is totally supportive and does some of the workouts with me and will meal prep with me and things like that but i think sometimes coming from a female perspective mm -hmm. it can actually be hard um the other day i was i was talking to my daughter and and she she said something that kind of like kind of prompted me to like question what she had said. Um, and she said, well, I'm just not, you know, an athlete like you'd like me to be, or I'm not, I'm not like you. And it kind of, it like, kind of like I teared up. I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, I, I'm not like you want me to be. And I'm like, wow, you know? Wow. So I think sometimes in the health and fit, being healthy and fit and trying to instill that in my kids can actually not, not do the opposite, but, you know, maybe she has that stigma, oh, I have to be like you or I have to be this way. And I, you know, was very quick to reassure, like, no, like, I just want you to be healthy. 
that doesn't look a certain way. That doesn't mean you have to be an athlete or work out all the time. My goal is that I want you to be healthy and happy. And I really find that health and fitness is just, we think about the exterior and the outside, but that inward health, that mental health, that emotional health is I think even more important. And that's what I'll tell people in our accountability groups. I'm like, working out is great. Eating healthy is phenomenal. But if I can have you do only one thing, I want you to work on that mental health first. Because if you get that, if you can wrap your mind around that, everything else is going to fall into place. Just like yeah. we were talking about with personal development. Yes, absolutely. The mindset is so super important because it's a programming. You know, we have um, our entire uh, brain is a supercomputer. Mm -hmm. And if you can program it a certain way, like you said, you actually make decisions or better decisions and worse decisions too, because it can go either way. Um, I posted something online the other day and I said, you could brainwash your brain for bad things. You can also brainwash it for good things mm -hmm. because that's what it does. Yeah. It's brainwashing. Yes. And when you're doing the mindset and reading your books and doing your meditation, that's exactly what you're doing is you're putting in good things and programming your brain in the best possible way. Absolutely. Um, you said you have an 18 and a 14 years old. 15. 15. Yeah, she's 15 now. 15 and almost. She'll be 18 on Saturday. So, guys, she looks amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Like, hot amazing. <laughs> and she is 18 and a 15-year-old. So, yeah, I could see where your daughter would come from, you know, because I think because you're this, this certain look, she probably want, she probably assumed that you want her to, to right. look through that way and you know i think our kids tend to assume our expectation even though right. we just love on them and yeah like you said we just want them to be healthy right absolutely so it's impacting them in the best way but it's also sort of making them assume that that's what you want them to do right so yeah that's where that conversation is really important on working on that emotional health and reaffirming that and i'm constantly a mom in progress, right? Like always trying to figure it out like, okay, well, maybe I am, you know, I, I need to make sure that I'm rewarding those other things, you know, um, not just health and fitness, but, you know, grades and just being a good person, having a good heart. Like she has such a heart. She's in a unified um, soccer team where they kind of, it's through the Special Olympics and she connects, um, you know, kids in school with kids with um, special needs together wow. and like to see no, I'm not going to cry. But to see that and to see her heart, like, it's unbelievable. And yeah. to really, like, share, like, oh, my gosh, that's the most amazing gift that you can give to other people. And it makes me feel proud as a mom to be able to, to experience seeing her heart. You yeah. Know? You just want them to be good humans. Yeah. Because they are a reflection of us. Absolutely. You know, because they always say everything starts at home. And I think we're so harsh on ourselves too as a parent because you know we we see our parent parent and we see the good the bad and the ugly yeah <laughs> and sometimes we try to overcompensate of what they didn't do right <laughs> we want to do everything right but you can never do everything right never you have to be okay with that mm -hmm. you know so um oh that's good that's really good now 
talking about nutrition because I used to be so harsh on my kids. In fact, my little is the one compared to two of them, the oldest and the youngest. The youngest is, you know, drinking tea. He wants a tea party for his birthday, things of that nature. <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. And it, it's because of what I've been doing. And mm -hmm. I haven't been always on this health and fitness journey that, you know, that I just want to maintain, you know, mm -hmm. just lifestyle since my oldest, because I gave birth to him. I'm like, I'm going to have another one. I'm letting it all go <laughs> until the next one yeah. and the last one. And so when I finally got the last one, I had um, changed and I used to smoke too, mm -hmm. drink a lot, hard liquor um, when, before becoming a mom. And then when I became mom the first time, I'm like, oh, I didn't smoke for nine months. So I'm not, I'm not going to go back yeah. and ruin that nine months. So that's when I quit. I, I just quit because I became a mom. That's great. And um, I still drank a lot. And I guess my youngest didn't really, or my oldest didn't see the good habits as he didn't grow up around that. My youngest grew up around, like I started drinking tea. I didn't even know there's all kinds of tea, you know, and started being very healthy. But with, um, with that, they still like to eat their candy, mm -hmm. right? And hearing your story about your mom, being a single mom and just trying to do their, you know, her best to raise you and feed you boxed food and processed, super processed food. Mm -hmm. Do you, as a mom, I'm trying to give them the best quality food I can give them. Mm -hmm. But I finally said, okay, I'm okay with them wanting what they want and be a kid and, right. and doing the things that kids do and eat. Um, because when they become adults like you and me, we change our lifestyle and, you know, you consciously do that. Do you think it's okay to just allow them to be that way or guide them? Maybe. I definitely think that there's some guidance that needs to happen. So, I mean, I've heard, and, and I used to have this mentality and sometimes I still do, to be honest, um, you know, if, oh, just let them be kids. And it's like, well, I, I do, I let them run and stuff like that. But to say, okay, we'll just have your diet consist of cookies, candy, and ice cream. It's kind of doing them a disservice because like, you know, uh, obesity in our children is so massive. And so I try to find that balance of, okay, I want to teach you the tools and I'm going to hopefully, you know, give you healthy meals. And I do notice that they're more aware, like when we go shopping, they'll notice what's in other people's carts. They'll kind of cart check people. I have a big cart check. <laughs> when I see people and they're like, hey, what you got in your very, you know, they're more aware. They're like, mom, there's not a vegetable in there, you know, or things like that. So I know that it's something's hitting home. So I think that it's balance, right? Because especially with my kids being teenagers, I can't monitor what they're doing, you know, mm -hmm. when they're on lunch or if they're out with their friends and stuff like that. So I'm assuming they're going to make those, those choices. I try not to bring unhealthy food into the house. If we're going to go have a treat, we try to go to it because I'm a binge eater. And if it is in my house, I will consume it all. I can't just have, oh, I'm just gonna have a nibble. I don't know how people can do that because it's crazy. So we go to the treat. We don't bring the treat in the house to us. Or if it is, it's like a single serving. Um, but I think like when people say, oh, just let them be kids and eat whatever they want. It's kind of like, it, and this is an extreme, like, well, would you give your kids cigarettes and say, oh, there's, you know what I mean? I mean, it's yes. not this on the same scope, but it kind of is because 
I really look at food as um, medicine, right? Um, it's, it's nature's medicine. And so if you're going to fill it with, I mean, there's so many things that we still don't even know. Mm -hmm. um, so I think finding that balance, but really trying to instill as much as you can um, of, of health, um, but not having that mentality of, oh, they're just being kids, you know, because that can go down and before you know it. And I, I just wish that when I was younger, I had those tools. So when my kids were younger, it would have been normal. Like I have really healthy, healthy, like crazy healthy friends. I'm balanced. <laughs> but their kids are like, oh, all they eat are fruits and vegetables because that's all they've known, right? So they don't, they don't really know a lot about sugar and the cravings and then having to undo all those things that they've learned. So, it becomes so much work yeah. when you have to undo it. Like, yeah. like, I'm sure when you started your health and fitness, you had to like reprogram so many things Absolutely. and the work doesn't even, like the work just began when you figure it out and you figure out even more things, right? right? And I agree with you about the kids because my kids, it's like education is so key, whether you're a kid, an adult, you know, whatever level you are in your life and journey, education is just so important about nutrition and fitness and health in general, because my kids are the same, you know, okay, mom, I'm just going to have a cookie. Like they are the ones telling me it Yeah. because I've educated them that, you know, sugar is a culprit, yeah. show them pictures online. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what happens if you eat McDonald's every day. Yeah. You know, just showing them instead of telling them, I think it's so powerful. And then allowing them that little treats, like you said, Absolutely. Yes. and go to the, to except my, I'm having a challenge with my husband because he's such a sweet tooth. <laughs> it is really hard when it's you're hard. both not on, on, you know, the same page when it comes to that part. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my husband was health and fitness for what, like four years before I jumped on the bandwagon. So I feel bad for him now because he's like, what can I do? But honestly, I don't think that there's, uh, and I've had a, a lot of ladies in our, in our accountability groups are like, you know, my, my spouse is either isn't supportive or, you know, he's bringing in all the goodies and I'm like, you can't, you can't force somebody to do it. You just have to lead by example, kind of like you do, you know, with your children, you're like, you know, here's, here's what I'm doing in lovingly love them where they're at. And then slowly, you never know. Like we have some, some ladies that are like, oh my gosh, my husband's going to join us in our next group. It's going to be amazing. And it's by them leading from the front lines. So they're all coaches within their home, which is it's so really, true. Yeah, really, really exciting. It's so true. So tell me, because I know every lady in your team, which is probably a lot, have very different stories, but side hustles when you're doing three jobs when you're doing three jobs and two businesses on the side that is a hustle but that way with mother hustler there is really like both of them you can be mother and you can be not just a mother but a really good mother and also be a great dream chaser you could still perform on your dreams even though you have duties and responsibilities in fact, you chasing your dreams is part of your duties and responsibility as a mother because that is the example that you're showing your children. That's no. a, it's so true. It's so true. And, and I think women in general have, they're actually better at having the awareness of the things like that. Like, like men are very just focused on one thing and they basically mm -hmm. just go for one thing at a time. 
most men don't have the ability to step back and see bigger pictures. You ever seen that kind of a comparison? Yeah. Yeah. And even, even like I see it all the time, even physiological, think about women. They, they have greater peripheral vision, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like millions of years of evolution. They're just more aware of their surroundings. Like my wife, we go to things and she can like, she sees things out the corner of her eye that I don't even see. Like, I, she's like, like what? Like all these people are like, <laughs> like we were, we were in Napa and we were walking one time and she's like, there's people following us. It's like, what are you talking about? And she's wow. like, she goes, I just sense there's people following us. And I turn around, there's a dude following us like this, this street bum and he was following us. And so I stopped and then he stopped and, you know, he's probably like 15 steps back. And she's like, well, let's just go inside one of these, these shops, you know, and see if he follows us. And we went in there and he kind of just hung outside the exit and we ended up having to call the cops, but that's her awareness is very high where mine was like, not there at all. See what I mean? So wow. I think women's intuition, we hear about these things and kind of, you know, people make, make jokes about women's intuition, all this. No, I've, I've seen it too many times. I've been with her 17 yeah. years. Like I, I, I think women have a much better intuition about things and reading people. She's very good at reading people. Like she'll yes. meet people and within five minutes, she'd be like, that guy's a dirt bag or he's, he's dishonest or, you know, it can even be like people I've known for a while. He's just using you. He's just doing this. And wow. then it all, it always pans out. Like, like <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. It's like a hundred percent accuracy rating. Like over time, yeah. the things that she says, she's always, she's always like dropping the, I told you so card on me. And I'm like, God, you're right. Because I'm the kind of person that's always putting benefit of the doubt and trusting people too soon where she's the, the opposite of that. But you know, that's so cool. She, so yeah. the ones that she's like, that's a good person. Like we need to hang out with them. She's also been a hundred percent right. Wow. We have really good memories too. Our memory is so sharp. Um, We remember everything that guys don't. And we think guys are just making excuses, but it really isn't. It's just how you're wired, you know, women and men are wired differently. And so it also, for me, I think that that has a lot of causes of divorces when, because women think like men should be like us and vice versa. But men are just wired differently. And so, you know, I'm not, I haven't always been understanding of men. Um, and I think that I can, I can attribute that to like a successful marriage, not a perfect marriage, but just a successful marriage that, oh, okay, my, my husband is just being a man right now. You know, like that's just how they're wired. And it's, it just has helped our relationship a lot to really understand and, you know, I had to read that book, men, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, to really like, it's okay, true. what is it that I it's don't true. understand but, about my husband? And but the book is, is pretty, pretty close. I, I've read it. It's pretty close. It is. It is. So I want to talk about the projection of the haters to you. You said something um, about how they are successful financially, but they're not successful in every aspect of their lives. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you have heard the interview for Sarah Blakely, the CEO of Spanx on uh, the School of Greatness, but she said something that that was really a aha moment for me and that, because Lewis asked like, how does it feel to be a billionaire, right? Mm -hmm. A, A woman billionaire. And she said, you know, it feels the same. I think that money just makes you more of what you were you know how you said miserable, like these people are miserable. They're heating on you because your light is so bright for them that it, it exemplifies or it makes their darkness, you know, they can't hide behind it anymore. And, you know, they're miserable. So even though they have a lot of money and they're financially successful, they are now more miserable 
because it just makes you more of who you really are before money and after money. What are your thoughts on the, on that? First of all, that was a great interview with Sarah. She's very down to earth and I, I've I got to see her and her husband both speak at different events and they're both amazing speakers and they share a lot of value. And it's, it's funny that she said exactly the things I believe in. I, I, I've always been a generally happy person. I've been very optimistic and helpful and I've always been this teacher mentor type personality. Even as a child, I was teaching people to do skateboard tricks and all kinds of stuff. Like I was always <laughs> showing, I would always master something and show other people how to do it. That's who I am. And I like that she talked about how she doesn't feel like she's changed any, even with money. I feel like the same way. I think mm-hmm. having money is basically just creates more options. It creates more comfort. But I do believe that happiness is something that's within because mm-hmm. I do know friends. I've got some friends that I still consider friends who lean on the skeptical, pessimistic side and they're successful, but they, they're not really don't have a smile in their face and they, yeah. they just don't have that energy in their voice. They, it's almost like they've, created the income despite some of the things that they really wanted to do because everybody let's face it we all have some kind of passion we all have something that we were meant to do i'm a Mm -hmm. firm believer in that but the problem is is that most people will trade that for some kind of a paycheck yeah so they'll they'll think that you know i need to go be an engineer a doctor a nurse do these things but they don't really they don't really want to do those things but they're basically just trading their dreams their passions for a paycheck and i get that it's something that we're wired to do. We, we tell people, go get a job, go get a steady job and, and things like that. And it's a big fallacy. It's just, you know, the thing is, is that most people I always tell people what, what keeps people from greatness is being able to trade goodness. So most people have a good life. They've got good friends. They've got a good house, good income, and they're comfortable. You know, they don't have a lot of stress because of those things. But then they see the greatness out there. They see the life that they really want. They see like yourself and myself doing these amazing things. And they go, I would love to do that. But they're not willing to trade what they have. Going back to what we talked about earlier, that that complacency that they understand, that they've accepted. They're not willing to trade that or potentially lose that to go get what they really want. And the people who have become highly successful, I mean, for example, my my mentors are Ed Milet and Andy Frizzella. I'm in the RT Syndicate. So two high-level guys. And- what you learn from each of these guys and these people have built nine figure companies and billion dollar companies is that they were willing to trade what they have to go get what they want. And that's what I did three years ago. I finally left the corporate world. I was a multiple six figure earner in the oil and gas project management field. Wow. After 20 years of experience, I basically said, you know what? This doesn't serve me anymore. I got tired of my livelihood being somebody else's decision because whenever there's an industry downturn, I was the expensive guy. Guess who the first ones to get cut are? I said, you know what? I don't like this anymore. I'm in my forties. I don't like being unemployed for six to eight months because there's so few people could do what I was doing. I was like, I'm going to go be a coach. I'm going to go be a mentor. I'm going to go share the knowledge that only that my friends and my close proximity have benefited from for the last 15 Mm -hmm. years. I'm going to go make that a a public thing. I'm going to go help people. But the thing is, Karen, I wasn't the right person to do that initially. Yeah. Wow. That is an amazing wisdom that you shared because, you know, that, that's a tough decision to make. And that leads me to my next question to you and defining how, like, how hard was it to let go of that? Because multiple six figures is a lot of money. And, you know, you talk about your friends and I think you were talking about the spark, like they just don't have the spark inside of them. They're not excited about life. Mm-hmm. But imagine what you can do when you're excited about life and you're also financially successful. 
you know? So what part of Tony kind of woke, woke up and how hard was it to transition into becoming who you are now professionally? You know, you were a best-selling author, you wrote a book and I know like you talk about like looking at yourselves, like, who am I to write a book? Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's also a lot of noise that you personally, no matter how great we are, we still have noises in our head that really like messes with us. But I think knowing what to sort through and, and move forward anyways and do it anyways through those fears is what a lot of us have a skill set for and figure it out. It, it is a crazy story. And the thing is, I was fortunate that I earned millions like 10, 12 years ago. And basically I didn't need to put myself on a spotlight or stand on the stage or get on a microphone. I had money. I didn't have to like do those kind of things. So I basically hid because of insecurities because mm. I didn't like the way my sound, my voice sounded in recording and I didn't like being on camera. So even like three years ago, you probably would never seen me on any videos or you never really saw me in, in photos unless we were on vacation. Seriously? Yeah. Unless my wife would be on taking pictures on vacation. Like I was not wow. making videos. I was not standing on the stages that I do today because I had money, I had the comfort and I had the job and I had businesses that I still operate. So I didn't feel the need to be out there. But the thing is that I, I decided that I needed to make impact. I needed to help more people. And so I started to think about everybody keeps coming to me for advice on how to start businesses and scale businesses and sell business. I was like, okay. So like I said, only the people that knew me were doing that. And I was like, well, if they keep coming to me for this thing, I guess I have some kind of a perceived authority or expertise in this. Maybe I need to write a book that way more people can have this information. So I said, okay, I've got this book and it's been in my head for five years and I'm going to write this book. And I said, wait, what if this book actually does well? Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to get asked to interview. I might get asked to be on the radio or podcast or TV. And it's like, I don't want to go up there and make a fool of myself and not be able to speak, you know, do things, interviews properly and, and just be really just like low energy. So I basically invested in myself to become a speaker. So I joined Toastmasters and I went every week and I made videos on social media every single day while I was learning things because I was learning public speaking skills and tactics. I would apply those to videos because it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Vocal variety, energy, conviction, speaking with more emotion, things that guys really have a lot of problem with. Most, <laughs> most men speak very monotone like this. Yes. And they have one volume and one one cadence and one pitch. And it's very boring. If I would speak like this, the entire interview, you would already tune out. So you hear how I speak a lot differently. That's things I had to learn to speak like that because I was being ready while I was writing the book. I was learning at the back end, trying to make sure I was ready to be interviewed on the back end and and everything planned out. Like I've been on TV, I've been on the radio, I've been on over a hundred podcasts now. So everything worked out exactly the way it worked, but I didn't think that I was going to fall in love with public speaking. And it was something I was afraid of. Isn't that interesting? I didn't like it. I, I learned it. I practiced it. I got better because of the importance, because I'm goal focused. Mm. But then I started to be recognized within the group that I was Toastmasters group. And they're like, hey, you should go compete at this. And I'm thinking, are you crazy? Like competing <laughs> at public speaking? Like most people fear public speaking more than death itself. Yes. It's the number one fear. It is the number one fear. And when you think about being judged at a, by judges with clipboards to go do public speaking, that's even higher level of, of fear. Yes. And, you know, so death plus, we'll call that, right? And I did that and I started winning these competitions. So it's like, wow, maybe I, maybe I have some skill here. It's not a talent. Nothing is a talent. Nothing like the way you speak, the way I speak, this is not a talent. It's a skill. Skills yes. are learned. 
I didn't have this. Anybody wants to go watch my Instagram videos from June of 2017 and, and newer, <laughs> like you'll see my very first videos and I leave those there on purpose. They're very monotone. I, I joke, I call myself monotony because that's who I was. Monotony. That was the level, <laughs> that was the level of, of confidence. That was a level of skill I had. And those videos, the funny thing, Karen, is like, I would take 10 takes. I used to do them in my truck, like after work. So I'd have my tie. I was a consultant. Like, I'm, I'm going to make this video. I'm going to make this, I'm going to make this one minute video. Come on, man. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And basically I would do that. I would do like 10 takes with my phone. And wow. the one that I would share would be the very best one I thought I could do. It was like, this is as good as it's going to get. And I would share that one. So these, wow. the first year of videos was probably like eight to 10 takes before I started to be able to do one takes because I started to gain confidence in the skills. So when you gain the confidence in the speaking skills, you can focus on the message now. Yes. Yes. That's, that's so important. But yeah, to answer your question, I, I did not want to do it. I, I, it was a it, it was a major thing that happened in my life that compelled me to go be more impactful and the only way i could be more impactful is becoming a better communicator and sharing my message so yes. that's what i did by the way your voice is like a radio voice you know like when you used to hear people like wow your voice is powerful it's like a radio personality voice so i'm not sure where you're coming from when you said about your voice didn't sound good and maybe you had to like create a different tone as you um, earn the knowledge and skill set to be a great public speaker or a speaker for anything. Because being a speaker, I think voice can command something. Mm -hmm. You know, it has a tendency to like, people will lean in and say, oh, I want to listen to this person. You know? The, the problem is, is people don't have the emotion behind their voice. They, yes. That's something we have to learn. So we can write out a very great speech. We can, the thing is like, we can, I can write out a speech, a one page speech. I could get 10 speakers, hand them the exact same copy, read this word for word to the audience. And the thing is that every one of those people will have a different segment of that audience that will resonate with them. The thing is the message that you speak with emotion is something that we learn. It's not something that we are born with, mm -hmm. especially if you're hanging around with a bunch of people who don't speak with emotion. I definitely think that women have the upper hand with that because women yeah. do speak with more emotion. It's, it's more of a comfort zone. Men don't do that. It's almost like it kind of goes back to the being judged and criticizing thing. Cause most men hear mm -hmm. somebody with speaking with emotion. Let's be honest. Like I'm a car dude been in the racing <laughs> scene and we used to say things like your listeners are going to laugh. Like, like you see a dude like doing a selfie, like imagine like how other alpha dudes see yes. that. They're like, yes, look at that guy. He's being like a teenage girl, like doing selfies. Like, and, and they're all, and, and, and for a while you would laugh about that. Yeah. That guy's just being like a teenage girl doing selfies, you know, Instagram girl, whatever, you know, not to belittle teenage girls like doing it, but that's the alpha dude's reaction to that. That's just yes. what I'm being honest with. And so when you start to think about it and you look around and go, wait, wait, wait a minute. Like you and I met through Lewis Howes. Like he does, he does selfies and he does videos. Like, He's kind of got a lifestyle that I would like to emulate and do that and have yeah. an impact and help people. Like, so he was also a professional football player and he's an alpha dude and, exactly. you know, a leader is like, he can do it. He's, he's got the lifestyle I want. And then I look around at the other people who are making fun of that. It's like, what are they doing? Hmm. Hiding from the camera, never had any impact, never did anything, never accomplished crap. Why am I taking the advice of those people? So I started thinking about who are the other people that I want to Ed Milet, Andy Frizella, those guys, if you follow them on Instagram, they're doing videos all the time, yes. all the time. 
So you start to listen to the people who are doing the things that you want, the things who have exemplified the results that you want to achieve and quit paying attention to the people that you would never take advice from. Yes. You know, you said something as you were describing your journey to me that, that reminded me of the thing that my friend um, I had a coffee with recently and said that most people are not scared of failing. They're scared of succeeding. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you just describe that or like, what if the book does really well? Now I'm going to be interviewed. How am I going to do that? So like you were scared of more. Yeah. It, it created fear in you. But then again, what I want to like really compliment you on is you taking action behind the scene before you even became the Tony Watley that you are now. You worked on yourself. Mm-hmm. You went to go invest in yourself, time, money, your, your energy of, of fear, being fearful. And now you competed in the speaking platform called Toastmasters, which is, by the way, if you guys are wanting to be a speaker, that is one of the best kept secret there is. They're all over the community. You don't know until you go online and look for one chapter. And, and there's a lot of people that are developing their speaking skills through Toastmaster. Absolutely. Yeah. Even Lewis credits his entire speaking and podcasting from Toastmasters. He gave a five-minute speech at one of his summits. Wow. So, Tony, I'm going to ask you a series of questions before we end this interview. What is your message? Is your mother still around? Absolutely. What's your message to her? I really just I want to thank her for dream, helping me dream bigger and understanding that there is endless possibilities. I've always believed that. I just didn't understand it was going to happen. I think that most people are really in things for themselves and they're going to limit their potential. She was the one that taught me to really care about other people and try to help other people. And we've all heard this from the greatest masters of personal development that if you want to create an impact and help other people, that's how you get paid in return. A lot of people enter the space or enter entrepreneurship solely focused on making money for themselves. But the thing is, is you're not going to become successful until you can focus on making other people successful first. Yes. 365 driven. Uh, you epitomizes that, which is amazing. You're wearing the shirt right now. You're kudos to all of your merch. Beautiful yeah. design, by the way. Did you design it yourself and tell us a lot? more about 365 driven i did design it myself that's the artistic side of me i've designed the logos of every company i've ever owned and it's just something i enjoyed i taught myself how to use photoshop and illustrator i taught myself how to code web pages by just reading books this is all pre-youtube and pre-social so i basically bought books and practiced so it was just a creative outlet for me and and the thing is that 365 driven is an entrepreneurship community there's about three thousand members on facebook group called 365 Driven Entrepreneurs. And basically, we help each other. Basically, I kick all the jerks out. Anybody that's passive aggressive (laughs) or making fun of people for asking what they perceive as a stupid question, I kick those people out. And that's the kind of leadership that helped me grow not only one community that grew to 300,000 members, but another one that grew to 260,000 members. I backed it up by the same process. And it's by creating a safe place for people to engage and participate. So if you've got people who are cancerous or toxic within your community, you have to be a leader and just kick those people out. And until you do, what's going to happen is you keep these negative people in there 
the good people watch from the shadows. They're not going to participate because they're so afraid of that people jumping on them or being rude to them. So they just don't participate. So if you can kick all those negative people out, which is honestly probably less than 5% of the group anyways, you don't need those people. Let them go find their misery somewhere else. Be yes. very strong because if you allow those people in your group, if you've got a Facebook group, if you want to build a community and you're listening to this, if you don't take care of those people immediately with, with no mercy, basically your audience is not going to support you because you're showing yourself to be an ineffective, weak leader. And they're watching to see how you respond to those kind of things. So take the opportunity to correct people or just get rid of them. Your community will grow. And that's what 365 Driven is. I'm building a group that I want to scale up to millions of people to really help entrepreneurs. It's really an amazing group. I'm part of it. So thank you for being a great, awesome leader. You, you know, you moderate it really well. Um, you have amazing people that, that are inside there. It's also a great uh, networking opportunity. I love how I catch a lot of your episodes in there too with, with the um, video headliner that you do. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for being a part of that. It's, it's been a lot of fun to grow that out. And I don't worry about quantity of people. There's a lot of people that just want to build a massive amount of people in a group. I'd rather take the quality any day. Yeah. So you built this side hustle while you were working in the oil company. Mm -hmm. What happened to that side hustle and how, like, if you were to take one thing away from that journey of yours as part of your life, what do you think that you would take away from what you learned from building that side hustle? So kind of going back, we talked about just trying to make $500 a month. And that was, that was a car note back then. So basically I was building a website around those type of cars. So the General Motors performance cars, a Corvette, Camaro, Firebird, Cadillacs, we built a community for those people. And I had a car at the time. It was like 500 a month. It's like, Hey, if I can get a $500 a month, it's like having a free car. That's like having a hobby that pays for itself. Like we hear this kind of <laughs> stuff now. Right. And within the first three months we were making close to $10,000 a month. And we're like, Whoa, this is like taking off. And that's when we decided, you know what? Oh, this is like a business. This isn't a hobby. So that's actually when we started to create an LLC it was probably six months into the business. So don't think that you got to go jump through hoops and do all the business stuff. I mean, that's good, but don't do that. Just start. Validate, yeah. Validate the product, validate the service that you're creating, validate the value that you're creating. And then when it starts to monetize, you can go get an LLC later. You don't have to do that right now. You don't have to spend the money and the time to do that. Wait till it starts to pay for itself. And so it grew and it grew and grew. And what we really focused on was we treated even the free consumer. So the visitors to the site didn't pay us. But we wow. knew that if we had more eyeballs and more people logging into the site, then we could attract advertising revenue. So we started to do giveaways. We started to do a win-win-win is what we used to talk about. How do we grow a membership? We used to see the analytics. We see that you know, 10,000 people would visit the site per day and only 5,000 were logged in as registered. So we're like, hey, we, what do we, how do we get these other 5,000 people to join? Wow. We started doing giveaways. So we had these sponsors who would advertise their shops or manufactured parts or whatever things. And we said, hey, we want to entice more people to sign up. Can we get a gift certificate from you for maybe 250 bucks and we'll call you a featured sponsor and we'll talk about you all month and then we'll give it away to someone who's registered. So you have to be registered to win. That dramatically started getting people to join up because wow. they couldn't win. They're already hanging. They're already spending hours on the site learning about things, but they weren't registered. So might as well give us your email address and your contact information to get the opportunity to win. So that's a win, win, win. So we got the win by increasing our enrollment 
the sponsor got the win by being a featured sponsor and being notified, you know, and they also got the sale because the gift certificate actually went back to them. So they gained a customer. So there's a good way to things. And the, and the person obviously who won got the win from that as well. So three wins there. And that worked for about the first year. And then we started thinking being more creative. Okay. So we got this online community. There's probably about 10,000 people at the time in the first mm -hmm. year. And we said, how do we get this bigger? How do we grow up to a hundred thousand people? Like, well, we need to go have different events around the country and on the hot spots. So for automotive mm -hmm. scene, that was Houston, Chicago, LA, New Jersey, Florida. So we basically created different events and different racing events, different car events, and these micro communities that were strong to get people to drive in for hours at a time to come meet each other and get to know each other and become lifelong friends. And guess what? They all come back to hang out on Mothership, which is the main website. Wow. So if you could build micro communities and we could do this with 365 driven too. I'm still going to do that. I'm going to have events around the country in different areas. Yeah. So people can build these micro communities in the hot spots, the hubs, those all feed back into the mothership. So if anything, I became a superpower of building communities. I think about not being the king of the community. A lot of people want to put their ego up front and say, I'm the best in the world. And this is my community. And this is the Tony Watley group. And like, no, <laughs> like nobody. And I joke about this because I, like, I call it 365 driven, but I think a lot of entrepreneurs put their ego first and they want to call it their name. Like who's going to wear a shirt that says I'm Tony Watley. That's just weird. First of all, like yes. that's my name. And I wouldn't wear that shirt. I'm Tony Watley. Hashtag I'm Tony Watley. Like, <laughs> like, how am I going to create a movement? How am I going to be building a community? How am I going to do that? Like you have mother hustle, hustlers. That's, that's it. It's a mantra. Like I'm a mother hustler. Like I would wear that. I'm a hashtag mother hustler. Like, like <laughs> you're building a brand that people would basically follow because we're humans and we are wired to want to fit into something bigger than ourselves. Exactly. And we, and we're okay overlapping. Like we're okay being part of a hundred different communities that resonate with us. So understand if you want to build leverage, build that community, mm -hmm. build something that's a mantra. Like I, my hashtag is 365 driven. And the funny thing is I can walk up to some random person on the street and go, Hey, are you 365 driven? And they'll yeah. be like, yeah, that, that sounds kind of cool. Like, yeah, I am. Like, cool. <laughs> like, here's a shirt. Would you wear this? Yeah, I would wear that. I'm 365 driven. They don't even know. Thank you for always being here. Thank you for always supporting me. And I love you guys so, so much. All right, sisters, thank you so much for listening and always supporting the Being Mother Hustler podcast every single episode, every single week. I know most of you take screenshots of these episodes and share it all over your social media outlet. And for some of you that's left us a five-star review from the bottom of my heart, I'm so super grateful for you. Make sure you follow us on Spotify and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And it would mean the world to the entire Mother Hustler Nation community if you wrote us a five-star review. Because I'm telling you, this is not about me. This is not about you. It's about all of us in the community inspiring each other, learning from each other, and not allowing each other to make any excuses to chase our dreams. I swear I read those reviews and it fuels me to my core, makes me cry for great reasons, so I so look forward to reading those reviews. As always, sisters, don't forget to give, serve, live, and love. Have a mother hustling day.